Welcome to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. Every Thursday, you will finally get to chill with us. Hosted by Andrew, we will be bringing on some of the quirkiest, geekiest, leading voices in the personal finance space to give them ample time to talk about their story, the lessons they've learned over time, and some good advice for all of us. No longer the short and quick stuff. So sit back and chill with TFC. <laughs> your your parents want to throw away the cards, you know, like, hey, this way, Leo, I I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you randomly know, one day they have, have a spring cleaning vibes. Oh, right? yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. What about that? Oh, tuya, oh, tuya. What the lino? Lotus, lotus. Hey Coconuts, welcome to Chills with TFC where we sit down with the geekiest, quirkiest people to learn more about how they do money and life. I'm your host Reggie aka Your Chief Financial Coconut and today we have with us in the house a legend, right? So I'm the number one podcaster or the number one personal finance podcaster in Singapore and we are meeting the number one magic card trader in Singapore. So if you don't yet know magic cards, I, I, I think you should know. Huh? <laughs> so magic card huh? is a very expensive gaming card, okay? Essentially, uh, I don't know how to explain magic, but we'll leave him to share with us. So, Benjamin Huang from Grey Ogre Games is in the house today to talk a little bit about trading cards. How do they value? How is it done? What is the insights of the trade? And share with us a new project that he's doing, Fractional Ownership of Magic Cards. So, Guy is going to enter into a whole NFT project. So, for all that and more, check out today's episode. This is Chill Swift TFC. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. For our listeners, tune in every week. They may not know you. Oh, you know, sure. like, we're, we're, we're uh, live. Introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this- uh, yeah so I'm Benjamin, Benjamin Huang, Ben Huang. Uh, I run a very small team that runs Singapore's number one magic store, Grey Ogre Games. You can check Singapore us out. number one magic store on Singapore number one spot, financial podcast. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, control yourself. I got this. Before we were you know, a store, we were uh, consultants for other game stores, primarily from Japan, China, and Germany in the space. What and what, what, what happens in consulting yeah. for uh, game so stores? Really, yeah. uh, my only skill is that uh, I can speak a couple of languages. Oh. So that's the that's the only thing. And, and barely speak one of the languages, like mm. Japanese. Like I can get to the airport and to the hotel and order food and then talk about business and there's nothing in between. No, like but I talk about business in Japanese. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit like uh, uh, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And um and I guess drink a bunch of sake and not get drunk. Uh that is <laughs> it is not that it's an East yeah. Asian business culture. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> um and so yeah the consulting in that space was primarily to just help them do business in markets that they may feel um underprepared for. Mm-hmm. Right? Like uh if they don't feel like they can interface with a primarily American audience or um, if they don't know how to, you know, sort out certain things in different countries. Um, that was really my role. Uh, me and a friend of mine did that uh, up to about 2015. And then we, um, two guys from another store that I used to run in Singapore, uh, they left the store. They're like, hey, we want to start another store. You want to start one of us? And then we're like, okay. Yeah, why not? Why not? And so we've been uh, operating out of Club Street for, this is our eighth year. Eighth mm. year, um, which by Club Street terms makes me very terribly very old. Very amazing. Terribly yes. old. Very no, old. I wouldn't say amazing. It's <laughs> very old. It's aged. It's aged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. It's the true. turnover is insane. Turnover is crazy. Like like yeah. rent there is crazy. And today joining me, uh, there's Alan. Alan, you want to introduce yourself? Your game store or your game, game place? Store. Important. Plug, plug, plug. Yes. Yeah, plug. Okay, actually, I help Reggie, you know, at yeah. first thing. So yes, uh, yes. we host a Chinese show called Li Chai Oh Yeah. Please uh, stay tuned and listen. <laughs> yeah, Li Chai Oh Yeah. Oh Yeah, Ye Zi Le Ye. Yeah, like Ye Zi Le Ye. Big win. 
Yeah, I also have a board game cafe called Gaming on the Table, so you all can come Ishun Safra and have a look. Yeah, play so some I, games definitely and I got him in because I think if I didn't get him in we'll end up having a very financial discussion around like gaming cards and, oh, shit. and all okay. that kind of stuff yeah, right? so, not the vibe you want not the okay. vibe I want so I wanted the yeah. Alan to come in because he's like pretty geeky in this space also to <gasps> to share with us a little bit more and like put questions right to, to Ben sure, sure, like, sure. how does this thing hold, this whole yeah, thing work yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? so maybe mm. I can start off the first question is right like how do people even value trading cards and specifically uh, you, you guys only okay. deal with magic right yeah yeah, yeah. so we are 99.9% .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 .9 
very diverse uh, culturally and gender and in terms of gender, a very diverse kind of audience. And so our outlook is just like that as well, right? We have to be a little bit more welcoming, a bit more accommodating, a little bit more educational rather than uh, exclusive. Yeah, yeah, so that helps you fetch a better price for your car. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. I always uh, use other and yeah. It's like going to a um, it's going to a nice coffee place mm-hmm. as opposed to you know Kopitiam. or Starbucks, mm-hmm. Starbucks okay, or yes, Kopitiam, yes, yes. right? It's, it's not soulless, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, okay. okay, fair, fair, fair. So then, from from that viewpoint, mm. in other words, there's some sort of a cartel going on when it comes to price fixing. Ah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. utility space. Yeah, yeah. So you to kind of get yeah, thanks yeah. for going back to that. Um it's not entirely utility driven, it's also collectability driven. So there is this um relationship. So something that is both useful and collectible typically commands a very high price. Mm. Right? So if it's both scarce and highly in demand, which is it's you know, it's no brainer, right? Like that kind of thing would be very, very pricey. Um, but some of it, if you're talking about the cartels, a lot of it is propped up by common belief that a lot of uh, common belief. a lot of <laughs> yeah. I'm so spiritual common belief that yeah, a lot yeah. of uh, retailers no. or institutions have in the space, which is that wait, there are institutions in the space. Um, some of them have been around okay. for like 30, 30 odd years from so the start of the game. Then uh, wow. there's some whose histories are so entwined with the history of the game. Because when you develop a product like that, you need someone to sell it, right? You need a retailer, some a kind of retail partner. So there's some that are situated so close to the development home of this game, uh, Renton, Washington, that uh, they're almost synonymous. Um, and so those are the people that if you if you told if you wanted to talk about cartel, that's the closest thing, like because their volume that they go through and their ability to or the beliefs that they have towards the game are so strong that uh rest of the market follows them and, um everyone is predicates almost their pricing all on their on their pricing everyone just follows it's just like how uh you yeah you just follow the leader and then you kind of take little deviations mm-hmm. from all, on the side you know maybe you think okay i can do better here i can do better there the on, the one major deviation on that is the japanese market which is has its own market leaders and has um, just his own a mind of its own, really. Yeah, and they they do they buy and they sell for prices that they can only do in Japan. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Give us some color. Uh, yeah. Some color. Uh, there is uh, for the longest time a lot of our consulting uh, was profitable because we there was this huge arbitrage gap between uh, what they paid in Japan the bid price and, and the, the, the ask price <laughs> in America. So my roots were, you know, I, I have a set of instructions from my from my uh, friends in Japan. Okay, I, we need you to do this, 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 this. And also you need to buy X number of cards for us. And I'm like, okay, sure. And I, I look at the pricing and I'm like, okay, with the yen being 25% ahead of the dollar, yeah, this is this is enough for me. Yeah, <laughs> we will go and it's the beauty of it is all pre-sold. It's like um, they already, they have bought 40 of each copy. Uh, all you have to do is provide the capital. And if you don't even have to provide capital, sometimes sometimes they give you the capital. They're like, hey, can you go and buy these for us? And so whatever you make is the difference, like the delta between what you can acquire it for. So early days, I, w- I was known at a lot of these uh, conventions and trade shows as just that one kid from Singapore with a backpack. And I would ask always, hey, if I buy more, can you give me a better price? <laughs> and <laughs> wow. And yeah, that, that became a thing for a while. But as currency started to change, you know, FX and um, also uh, the arbitrage uh, became more obvious and other p- entities mm. moved in, people started to do it for less, right? Mm. Which is my first lesson in yeah, there's always somebody who will do it for less than you. Uh, so yeah then we moved on to building a more retail focused product actually in Japan there's one you know last time I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh cards also mm-hmm. so Yu-Gi-Oh cards are there also there's no you sure you can talk about Yu-Gi-Oh cards about <laughs> the magic card no, no, no <laughs> I mean there's, there's one okay, uncle okay, uh. nah, there's one yeah, uncle there's no insult no insult the Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh yeah, yeah. Things, yes, yes. there's a guy yeah, with yeah, the best yes yeah. there's one uncle he will travel all around Asia to trade cards he'll bring also like one backpack we call her Uncle Fuji yeah, so we watch out when he, he comes to Singapore. Singaporean or is he no, like he's Japanese? a Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows. Wait, you know Uncle Fuji? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, for a long time, the game in Singapore, uh, a lot of it gathered outside Bishan MRT. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Bishan and Marty wrestling cars. It was a yeah, <laughs> oh, is that and, one? And, uh, it, it was such a big thing that among my friends that we would call it the center of cultural excellence. <laughs> because it was it was really the it was culture in many ways. There were many mm. different card games. Yes. Uh, 
And uh, there's also a lot of uh, choice. <laughs> Let me breathe. Let me breathe. <laughs> I, I learned a lot of choice Hokkien phrases okay, there. Okay, yeah. okay. You know, from people I wouldn't have otherwise met, you know. And uh, but yeah, yeah. So Uncle Fuji would bring both. He would bring you would bring everything. He bring Yu-Gi-Oh, he bring Pokemon, he bring magic. Yeah. And then once he was done doing his Yu-Gi-Oh thing, he would go and interface with the Pokemon people. Once he was done with yeah. that, he would go and do the magic thing. Yeah. He even has a vest. I don't know if he still wore the vest when you met him. He had like a vest. It was like khaki colored. He looked like Ash la, from Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, yeah got he showed a, a cap and a little after him. furry hairball on his... His shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I come here, do trading. That everybody yeah. were like, yeah, this is what he did. You know, yeah. I, I buy cards and sell cards. No, I'm, I'm not the first and uh, yeah. I, I certainly won't be the last. Um, and I think the only thing that I really took away from it was that this can't last forever and mm. we need to build something that lasts not forever either, but you know, a, a little bit longer, a little bit more longevity, right? Fast, it's easy to go. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together, right? Uh, cheesy one-liners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always dropping me the one-liners. Okay, okay, fair, fair. So, so I, I think he brought an interesting point, right? like like mm. this Yu-Gi-Oh, this Pokemon, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all that. I think even period of time there were like wrestling cards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm I kind of like the very okay, typical okay, yeah, yeah, financial yeah. kind of yeah. person looking to invest from a from an alternative investment yeah. point of view, right? How do I pick the game? Like, like pick should I game. like okay. should I buy Yu-Gi-Oh cards or should I invest uh. in like Pokemon cards or you know like I I think unlike a strict financial product or mm. instrument, um, there needs to be some sort of like resonance with you lah. You need mm. to like feel like you like the, th- the thing mm. whatever the thing is whether it's it's um, Yu-Gi-Oh magic mm. NFTs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, whether so in it's other words, if, watches yeah. it's uh, it's mm. handbags it's uh, bottles of wine whatever it is there needs to be a little bit of that connection and I think that's what keeps it fun mm. for all these people there is this kind of like very for some people it's a very marginal but there is some argument that there's utility right mm-hmm. there's utility to I love how the, you say marginal <laughs> utility yeah. very marginal some, you see some you people there's yeah. a guy that comes to my store who has never played with his cards mm-hmm. like he just buys mm-hmm. the cards and then he's but he only wants to buy cards that he thinks he would play with mm-hmm. but, but he I'm never like, plays hello friend you, I don't ever see you playing mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's you know it's to each their own mm-hmm. um so yeah, I think that there is that level of it. Mm. But if you were to talk to me as if you were to say, hey Ben, what is what is the number one reason why magic is a better collectible in terms of the financial elements of it? I would just say that the, the player base is large. right? Mm. The player base is large. The, the actors in the market are so varied and so uh, deep-seated and, and developed that it's almost um, like you know, trading gold or any other commodity, right? Mm. There's so much of infrastructure, so much built around it, mm. right? Mm. Whereas, say, with uh, something more uh, happening, something cooler, something newer, right? Like Flesh and Blood, which mm. is a, a game that both of you have not mentioned, and uh, a game like Pokemon, where a lot of it is transient kind of interest, like, right? They are, the, people are interested in it for a while, mm. and then they, they, they exit, right? And it's always thought of as this kind of nostalgic, like, oh yeah, I remember when I played Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Magic is more persistent yeah so i i think that's appealing fair 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 i mean when it comes to collectibles the base of the, the people that are interested in it matters so much right, right? like right. It, it's there is some correlation to the prices you know and the people that are willing to pay right, for right. It, the right? upside yeah the, the upside downside. Right? based on the, yeah. the growth of the community right so specifically for magic is it growing uh, I think they've done a very good job of growing the the community, and uh, it's it's almost in a very they've done a, taken a very cynical I won't say cynical very practical approach to it, which is to say that the people who are entrenched, the people who love the game, will always love the game, right? Mm-hmm. The the change like some people will leave, come and go, but the game that that group stays about same about or grows at a like a very slow upward kind of rate. But what would they what they've started to try and do is to get more. Um, people in adjacent spaces interested in the game. So they've done collaborations with, uh, I think they started with Walking Dead, then they did Stranger Things, then they've done Warhammer 40k, which is a tabletop, not a board game. And they're going to do Lord of the Rings, they're going to do Doctor Who, they're going to grab all of the other 
all the other um, you know subcultural nerdy kind Wait, of like Doctor Who is like the UK thing right yeah, that, that, yeah, that yeah super yeah. so <laughs> Doctor Who yeah. went through a kind of a renaissance in uh, in in 2009 they redid the whole thing they got a whole bunch of new writers and so it has now has this kind of cult following that I think started on like Tumblr and like Reddit and stuff like that and so it's kind of built up and so they are very I think the parent company Hasbro Wizards of the Coast they're very good at identifying okay this is a kind of community that's ripe for us to cross over into uh, and then we're gonna just yeah get a whole bunch of players and it doesn't matter because they're taking almost a Disney-like approach to it the more licensees we have mm. the more collaborations we have the better it is for us because mm. we are the the underlying brand is their mm. assumption so but you but you are in this space mm-hmm. you know um, it doesn't sound like you are buying and holding Right? Oh. It feels like you are part of the flows. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You are like uh, selling, trading so and all that. I think that there's there's definitely the flow and the flow keeps the lights on mm. and hires the five guys. Mm. Um, <laughs> but Shout out to you five guys. Yes, yes, yes. It's more than five. <laughs> more than five. <laughs> but uh, I think that a lot of it is also uh, market making mm. and providing like consumer confidence. Mm. So imagine if you were to open like a booster pack yeah, like a, so the game is primarily sold in randomized packs kind of like you do on like Hearthstone or, or any of these gacha games that like really right And um, but what kind of props up the confu- consumer confidence is that oh the store will pay X dollars for this chase card in this set right mm. and that is true throughout every set in the game and so what we do in Singapore more so than others is to say look we pay this price mm. and uh, this we are the kind of like fulcrum for you to like make your decisions based off of that. And a lot of it for us is building or making the market, like saying that, look, if because we're like this, you can feel confident in buying cards, in selling them, in uh, trading for them, mm. and all of these things because there is this underlying uh, entity that provides this kind of confidence. Um, and yeah, and we do it by predicating our prices of what Card Kingdom does in, uh, in Seattle, Washington. Um, so there is this kind of like, trickle down effect I guess or like we we know that there is some sort of confidence on that side too so when uh, new sets comes out you all will straight away evaluate which card uh, is set the pricing which card is useful yes yes so there's a and there's a whole meta there's a whole game behind that there was like yeah, um, there's people who have access early because they're translators. There are people who have oh. access early because they're distributors and then they use that to gain an unfair advantage. <laughs> so if, a new, if a new card's coming out, then you know about how it's going to influence the cards in the past. So you can go out and buy all the things in the past. Right? So it's not about buying the new card. It's just about having the advanced information to know how it will rig every other thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's something that hey, people that, do. That's like. that yeah. not fun to play. I cannot play. Like I'm, I'm so outside, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that is mm. part of the problem. I think that uh, because of all these, uh, they're kind of antiquated, like, right? Archaic mm. kind of like mm. structures that are in place that the, you have to ship the boxes to the, the holding facility somewhere. And then the guy who's in charge of it can open the boxes and be like, oh, look. <laughs> There's a new uh, 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 oh, I guess I should go out and buy every single copy of this now, right? Mm. Um, and so, as as an investor, or to talk about it as a financial product, when you say there's that resonance, that there's that kind of like stability and everything, you also have to fight against that structure, like, right? That there are these, you know, big companies who have access to all this information who are already going to be doing all of this in advance. Mm. Um, but the so truth you is, you can observe price movements ahead. Also, yeah, you can observe mm. price movements ahead. You can even predict. Um, but I think the truth is, as the flow guy, you don't really care. Because if you're the flow guy, um, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. One, mm. two, whatever value, if you think of the market as a, as a whole, whatever value gets displaced in one place will get reassigned somewhere else. Mm. Right? So I think that there's a lot of fear with regard to that. Hey, there's so much you know, to go up against. Um, but there's also not a lot of reason to be worried about it if you uh, approach it the right way. Mm. Which is think of it as a transaction. Like, don't think of it as a, I need to buy A, for X and, price and, and sell it, it for, and and sell it for yeah. higher. So long as I can get X plus something, that's good enough for me. Yeah, but you're yeah. the flow guy. Not everyone is the flow we are, guy. So we're both. So yeah. to go back to your question, mm. part of that market making involves us buying up a lot of stock mm. and then uh, holding on to it and all deciding we need to move this to another uh, location and selling it there. So we have a, a associate a company. We have our own company in the US, in Australia. And then we have the Japanese retailers that we still work with. And so we do that kind of like 
um, hey, we bought X amount of stuff, we're going to apportion it, we're going to give A here, going to give B here, going to give C there. Um, so part of it is also carving up that pie and deciding, okay, this stays in Singapore to build the market, to, to provide you know something for the players to play with, the collectors to collect, but we also need to farm off the rest to create cash flow for the business. Farm off the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And farm, literally, because we make a very small margin, if any, on those uh, on that. But that, to us, is makes sense because we are we're creating cash flow for Singapore, right? The, the players feel like, oh yeah, I have confidence in my cards because I can always get about 55 to 65% of my retail from these guys at greyogagames.com. Nice, nice. Thanks for the plug. Yeah. <laughs> Greyogagames.com. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll send you the invoice later. <laughs> but being a person, for example, me as an investor, because we know that all these trading card games, they are gradings. You know, yeah, there's yeah, PSA, yeah, yeah. there's a few where mm. they grade, you know, pre- yeah. pristine grade. So, for example, as a collector, I mean, do I really need to go for like PSA 10, you know? Yeah. I mean, oh, being okay, okay, at okay. the start, because I think PSA 10 kept very high price yeah, 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 yeah. especially you know uh, for all trading card games yeah. then it's the lowest one of the few lowest count when, when they yeah. evaluate yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so um, what he's talking about is um, just population counts like, right? there's, there's a certification and there's a grading company a company mm. that tells you how pristine your card is and then they tell you out of you know all the ones that we have certified or graded we uh, this is the top you know three or in the top three or top five or top eight like. Uh, and so um, there is a huge multiplier effect on the value of the card. Like. So mm-hmm. to give you a sense, PSA 10 or BGS 10 uh, Alpha Black Lotus would, you know, at some point command close to a million dollars. And uh, if you bought it in very poor, very beat up condition, it could be just north of 60 grand. That is the divide, like, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a huge multiplier. So to answer your question in terms of the you know, grading and, and what it adds to the value, it's just a multiplier effect as well on your mm-hmm. return, right? If you mm-hmm. were to buy a pristine card, then the even though it's more money that you put down now, which is, you know, uh, say 10 times or uh, 17 times of uh, this amount, you would stand to gain a lot more in the future, right? And mm. that, that jump is is uh, exponential, right? The, the $60,000 beat up copy of the Alpha Black Lotus that you bought is not going to, you know, triple, right? But the, it's more likely that the pristine copy is going to triple because it's more scarce. There's, there's less of them in the world. There are only maybe five or six others at oh, Alpha Lotuses, maybe 11 of them that can compete with your 10, right? Mm-hmm. So... If they are, if six of them are accounted for, they're in collections that won't move until something drastic happens, then you only have four others to compete with or five others to compete with. And uh, as a result, you can really name your price. And that point almost becomes like art, mm. right? Where mm. it's, you know, just one buyer, one seller. Mm. You know, there is no real market. There's no bid ask because it's a unique item. So how many black lotuses do you have? <laughs> <laughs> That's the million dollar question, question. right? There's yes. someone in Singapore who has more, more than us. Yeah, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I think... Or, you know, this is different different uh, approaches. Mm. Mm. And, um, but I think we have seven in the store. How many tens? Uh, tens? No, I don't think we have anything that, that would be a ten. And then we have some on consignment with our friends in Japan. And then personally, I own two. Uh, one that's nice and one that's for me to play with. Yeah, and I think all of my partners, all my partners is my business partners, have, uh, have one of their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's just a way to connect with the game, but it's also a way to say, hey, as the game does better, we also do better mm-hmm. uh, in terms of our finances. Yours are like nine. Eight. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I have one. So I, 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 the nice one I have is like a nine. And the, the other, the one I play with is a, is a crazy story. We were, we were in a, at a convention in Houston. Someone uh, dropped it on the floor. <laughs> similar. <laughs> so ah! we were at the back of the hall, and then this guy. Like uh, he looks military, he walks all the way straight from the probably front, is, uh. all the way to the <laughs> all the way to the back of the hall. I'm like, hey, sir, I'll be with you in like 20 minutes. He stands there the whole time. He sits oh. down with me, and then he opens up a, a binder, and it's like fresh out of '93. You know, this is when probably in 2016, 2015, 2016. So it's a 23-year-old binder, and it's just cuts from the first edition, the first set. And he's like, oh yeah, I used to play. Then I lost interest, and I I, I picked it up only recently again. And I was looking through the card prices. And so this is one of those like fairy tale stories that like you're like, okay, how the heck did you come from the entrance all the way to the back of the hall where I'm at? Um, and why do you pick us? Um, but then because he had been browsing and looking at the at the cards and looking at the prices and so excited about it, he had, you know those ring binders? Mm. He had kind of folded one like that and he had closed the binder on top of it. <gasps> so the, the lotus happened to be, because it's a bee, uh. on that that um, the bottom third of the thing and they got like, that's like a ring mark there. Oh. Think of if you put 
between the the top of your folder oh. and the ring mm-hmm. the ring binder itself you kind of pressed it so there's this very slight impression there at the end of the you know the whole the whole year i adopted that lotus as as mine binder one so i adopted this this lotus and yeah it's still with me uh, went to the Tokyo Art Show with me. So in 2018, they did a uh, 25th anniversary art show in Shinjuku. So they, the Japanese really love it. They, they, the Japanese, just the next level, they rented a whole space in Shinjuku and you could walk around and you had original pieces of magic art and you had uh, one display of like the, the most famous nine cards from the game, like, which, which were mine. So they borrowed it from me and they said, oh Ben, can we borrow it for wow. the show? And they, they put the cards there. Uh, I took my picture next to it like a proud parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even my boy's first day at school. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that Lotus, I probably never sell. Yeah, I probably signed the nine before I sell that one. Yeah. There's a story behind it. Yeah, yeah. A a good Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Story too. Then you know, like on online, um, so sometimes like you, you watch content, right? And then, yeah, yeah. And then there are all these people that like buy, they buy the whole box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they like open it up. They open it up. They open it up. And and I think some, some in some people say, okay, other than you guys, they are like flipping through your old magic collection, right? At this point in time, <laughs> you know, probably you can grey ogre games, right? Okay, so, <laughs> com. so yeah, com, yes. <laughs> yeah, must send invoice, huh? So yeah. so other, so other than other than all of you, I think. There's also other people that are thinking, like, how about I just buy the whole box yeah. and then I can just you know rip this mm. open and I may, it may work, right? But what is the net value if I yeah buy I the whole I mean box? I always tell my customers this and this is people that come into the store and for the express purpose of opening a box I tell them express purpose <laughs> if it was profitable for you to open the box don't you think I would have opened it already mm. right so a lot of businesses in Singapore and back to this naive immature like mm. growing burn pains kind of like industry um, they're still very box oriented and they believe that selling the box to the customer is good and I think that selling the box to the customer is good if they understand that they're buying the box for the fun of opening the box mm. right like you say people create content around that mm. um, but if they think that it's financially viable then the real question you have to ask is why isn't the guy who buys this box at the retailer price, at the, at the distributor price, um, why isn't he opening himself, mm. right? Why does he still have them in stock, right? Um, and so I think that a lot of people use it as a kind of like pseudo gambling. They just come mm. up, they're like, oh, I got 140 bucks to blow. Let me go and buy a box of this yeah. set, right? And that's fun too because you accept that that's, you set a certain price, mm. certain amount and you say, it's okay, I'm going to spend this and I'm going to see what cards I get. Mm-hmm. as opposed to like I'm going to spend X dollars on greyogagames.com where you can buy exactly <laughs> the card that you want right um, so I think two, two, two very different things it's like the people who buy 40 or buy Toto right mm-hmm. they have a certain amount they want to spend and it's to it's to buy a little bit of hope, buy a little bit of fun, buy a little, you know that that sweat where you you like looking at the card and you're and like, then you think by doing this the card will change. Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> like Jack, like Jack. Or like when we discuss off uh, uh, off camera the way yeah. people go and pray. Yeah, just like you were saying, temper, channel temper. Actually, for like uh, this hobby, other than that, those are other other notable cards. Yeah. So there's the the top nine cards. They they mm. call the Power Nine because oh, yeah. that's a, a <laughs> tacky name. Mm. Um, but yeah, they are they just represent cards that when they developed the game, they weren't sure how to position these cards, and the creator of the game never intended people to have access to all the cards in the set. He he thought of it as a kind of like you play what you have, and then if you meet somebody who has an interesting card, you trade it with them. And he never thought that there would be this vibrant secondary market behind it, right? So today, if you want to play competitively, you need to have four of every like great card to put in your deck, right? Yes. Uh, and that Wait, is, is it was, like a part of the requirement, or it's like no, it's without like that a, you will definitely lose. Mm, it's like going to play or going to play field soccer mm-hmm. and showing up in slippers, uh-huh. right? Like you can you can play. <laughs> yeah, it, it might hurt. you get beat up a lot yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> you may miss miss a few toes at the end of it uh, but uh, 
<laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of like that because everyone's decks are going to be optimized for that. Mm. And not to say that there aren't people who try to take a budget approach. And there's a lot of content that's built for people who are approaching the game in an accessible manner. Mm. Um, but when you talk about the cards that are the most famous, and so those are the cards that were so powerful, and and they were powerful because they were ever only intended to be so scarce. And mm. maybe you, you know you. Yeah, you yeah, talked yeah, about, yeah. hey, you know this guy at this store, he has this, or, or in my it's time like it was... honor, right? Yeah, yeah oh, okay. secondary school, like, oh, this yes. guy in this class has this guy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Center of Cultural Excellence. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I never forget that line. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And um, yeah, but so these cards, the the five moxes. Mm. So there's like five, oh, yeah. uh, five moxen. So they represent jewelry, like pearl, mm. sapphire, jet, ruby, emerald. Mm. And so it's, they're so iconic that people have done jewelry lines based on these things uh, they take the art mm. of the card and they just go and get a stone and they put it into the the thing um and then there's uh three other blue cards so mm. if you played pokemon or any other game there is one color above all that kind of stood out in the early days of this game and it was really really good uh, right yeah it's just yeah the difference is is worlds apart it's like Lionel messi and the rest of us trying to play football yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, and okay. that color makes up the other three of the cards and obviously the Lotus is the ninth. Is it true that no other card that comes after will you know, rival that kind of value or like price uh, of, of these cards? I think that's a very interesting conversation to have now uh, because they just did a 30th anniversary commemorative set. and So, so they republish old cards? They republish these old cards in a non-tournament legal manner. So the idea is... Wait, wait, what's a tournament? Oh, okay, okay. So the card is printed, uh, a magic card is printed on two sides and one is the, the actual card itself and the one at the, the back is just a standardized back. So mm. think of it as if you were playing with like, um, you know, bicycle playing cards or whatever, the, all the backs would be the same. And so to make the game, to, con to preserve the integrity of the game at the early years, they printed the same card back for all the sets. And mm. that, the idea was to like, okay, you could only play if your deck all matched, right? So that you couldn't like mark a card or like mm. know when you're going to draw something different. Um, so that's the early notions of tournament legality. And then what they did on top of that was to say in 94, they're like, hey, there are people who just want to collect the game. So why don't we make a, a set that is that looks like the all the normal cards on the front, but make it square cornered and have a different back so that people can put it in the binder and appreciate it. Uh, so what they've done just this past weekend is released a set that says, hey, it's the 30th anniversary and we're like, we want to give you a way to collect these super old, super rare, super powerful cards, but in a non-tournament legal. So they changed the back. And then the front is somewhat the same, but they've they've updated it for the modern game, right? To say that they won't ever surpass these cards is, um, is true because I think that on the underlying all of that is the scarcity. So if you think about Alpha, the first ever set that was printed, there's only 1,080 pieces of every rare card in that set. Which means that if I have two Lotuses and you had 1078 Lotuses, Alpha Lotuses, then we would have the world supply, right? Hopefully. La. Hopefully. Griogames.com. But you probably know where are some of these... Like you, you probably you know, know you know like and um, network, and like soon we'll be able to talk about a project that uh, mm -hmm. that will help with that. But um, so so to to answer that question, I don't think that the anything is going to surpass those cards. What what did happen was that it shook some confidence in what's called the reserve list. So now the reserve list is a list of cards that the company, the parent company, Wizards of the Coast subsidiary of Hasbro, uh, has promised not to reprint. They say, okay, we, for mm -hmm. the sake of, uh, okay, we, we, we had this policy in the past where we wouldn't reprint the certain rares from certain sets, uh, the rarest cards in each of these sets, and then we're not going to break that, that promise. Lah. So they made a list of these cards. Uh, so what happened when they announced these reprints, these non-competitive legal reprints or tournament legal reprints was that there was some confidence was shaken, right? Because a lot of these cards derive their value from their utility in mm -hmm. a casual setting in a non non tournament like uh just four of us playing around a table a couple of beers kind of setting so people are like oh well if that's the case then the utility of those cards kind of like is diminished like because right? i or they still maintain their utility but the scarcity thing has been solved or it's been there's been added supply um so yeah there was a bit of a, of a shake up there but the truth is they're selling these the, these cards in 1,000 US dollar boxes. So for 1,000 US dollars, you get 60 magic cards. Then they're all randomized. So there's different rarities, like 10 commons, 3 uncommons, 1 rare. 
And uh, yeah, so the odds of getting that, you might as well just go and buy the real thing. Grailgames.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All the original commemorative set, which is also which was also very fairly priced. And you just put a rolling banner. Just put a rolling banner. Right? Don't, don't need yeah. to plug already. Yeah. So I, I think that, yeah, to answer that question, nothing will probably surpass uh, prices at Alpha Cards. Um, but similarly, I, th- I think of it as it's it's a genius, if not very cynical move, is is to embrace the fact that the player base is not going anywhere. So the more you put playable cards or non-tournament but casually playable cards in the hands of players, uh, the more good it does for the game as a whole. Makes them yeah. desire the actual one. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yes. It creates that um that that kind of like yeah, upgrade mentality, like right? Mm-hmm. The iPhone, Huawei, Xiaomi. iPhone, your car, <laughs> yeah, your yeah, house, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything in, in Singaporean life is in, a, yeah, in yeah. You're looking for the next upgrade. No, I, I, I don't think you need a lot to be happy. Yeah, you just need seven. Mm. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the business to me and the, the, the company and, and all the projects that we do, it's, it's the most engaging game I've ever played. Fair. Mm. Right? I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. You stop playing games when you treat your life like a king. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. actually focus on it. Right? And then yeah. when you play a game, you know that it's because I want to play yes, a game, yes, right? Yes, yes, But yes. the gamification of your life is, mm. I think, the, it's, it's very, the coolest thing. Yeah, very interesting way to live. The coolest yes. thing I've ever did with my brain. This is the just... <laughs> okay. Mm. And now I see everybody that I interact with as... Um, NPC. <laughs> oh, as, as a lot of a lot of, a lot of player characters, right? Uh, and it's, uh, a, it's an MMO, right? Uh, uh, yeah, you need to f- figure out what, what motivates them, you know? what they want to get out of you, what you're trying to get out of them, and what they like, what they, they dislike. Mm. And, and um, yeah, treat them like human beings. They're not like NPCs, they're NPCs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here's my cup. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, we will offer you 32 copper for that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay great 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 I don't know what it's <laughs> but yes beautiful glass, beautiful glass okay great so then I know recently I mean I got to know you because of Mark right from, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Blockhead right so and uh, we're, we're running a other show with Mark from from Blockhead uh, Rice Blockhead.co yeah Blockhead.co from the RiceMedia.co <laughs> guys right okay <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna do that all the crypto stuff uh, check out our new show uh, we haven't decided the name like, but by the oh. time this thing goes out we will know the name right so yeah um and we were talking about it and he was telling me like you guys are running some NFT project or like some fractional ownership project oh, you know yeah, yeah. Of, of Black Lotuses you know <laughs> for all these people that are outside that you know don't really want to buy the whole thing how, yeah, how does yeah. this thing work? Okay so I think we go back to that spread like the bid ask price right mm-hmm. so uh, I have this I had this scenario in my store where this guy comes in to sell us a cart for 2.5k and then his friend walks up the stairs and uh, in, a, in a matter of hours and buys it from us for four his friend yeah <laughs> and, and we're like okay this is the easiest 1.5 grand we've made mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of which goes to paying the lights and, <laughs> and, and keeping the lights on and paying all the guys but um, where does this happen and we realize there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things in the way uh, one is knowing that people want to sell and knowing that people want to buy right mm-hmm. so buyers and sellers don't know each other if they do know each other sometimes they don't want to let each other know right like sometimes you need to get out of a financial jam so you got to sell something that you own mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes you want to buy but you don't want to you don't want to be seen by your friends to be like balling too hard right mm-hmm. so you you kind of keep it on the down low and the on the wear mask like, hey, yeah can I get black you, you buy it from us you know we're not <laughs> going to tell people what you bought right <laughs> um GreatGames.com. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know the best thing is he makes it very hard to cut. Yeah. <laughs> he's like saying it and plugging, saying it and plugging it. Very hard to cut. Very, very, very. Talented, yeah, yeah. talented. Um, so then we realize, okay, it's about transparency. Uh, and then the truth is, and a lot of it is also about liquidity. Even if somebody could buy it for, wanted to buy it for, say, 2.5 and 4, meet in the middle, three, you know, three something, uh, they may not be liquid right at the, at that current moment, right? And but this guy needs to be liquid right now. Like he needs a two point five grand to go and pay for his kids, you know, school fees or whatever. Um, so we're like, okay, so this is kind of an interesting problem to solve. The other problem that we had to solve was that when it does happen peer to peer, a lot of them come to us to get the card certified. They're like, hey, I trust Ben because he's done this like forever. And uh, can we go to him? And he says that the car is legit, then I'll pay you. So they, they do that. They get me to check it. I, I tell them that it's, it's legit. Then they just do the pay now like that in front of me. So I'm like, hey, we're leaving money on the table, right? I should charge for this service. But in the same way, I don't want to charge because I think that by charging, then it creates this kind of... It does, for in one, in one frame of mind, 
give them like if I paid for it they must be legit right but also it kind of hampers the community like, right it's the kind of gatekeeping mm. the, the free trade of these items so what we are building is a project called Serenity and it is a card vault you drop off your cards with us we certify them mm. and we grade them and we put them in a vault and then we give you digital proof of ownership we give you an NFT it's built on a blockchain and you have it access to it on a website on your app and you'll be able to trade ownership of that card in the vault between people, right? And you can go under a username, you can put your real name, you can set it to like, a, you know, auction bid kind of pricing or fixed bid pricing. Um, you can do all of that. You can have your own gallery and then put your little NFTs, which will be like, you know, little, you know, Grey Ogre or like, you know, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, you can just um, trade it without the card ever having to change hands until you're ready to take it out of the vault. Right, and you're ready to like either realize its utility or uh, just you just want to put it in in your your man cave at home or so cool. or in a binder. You can just withdraw it from our facility, right? And so just watch out for the rings. Yeah, like, watch out for the rings. Yeah, <laughs> the binder. So please, that's uh, the that's the third thing. <laughs> yes, so yes. the the slogan is certified trade and safe keep. The idea is that hey, you know we're all getting older. You have kids and animals. Uh, elderly parents kids and animals yeah, <laughs> yeah, animals. yeah, yeah. yeah kids and animals. animals elderly parents and thanks for that bridge huh? yeah yeah and they, they your your parents want to throw away the cards you know like hey this way yeah. I wanted to yeah 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 you randomly know? one day and they have, have a spring cleaning vibe so oh, yeah. there's one there yeah. What a lion! What a Oh, you have kids and they're like, "Daddy, what's this? Yeah, it looks yummy. Start biting on it. Or you have a dog who you know who just lick everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even your PSA ten Alpha Black Lotus, he's licking it. He's like, yeah, because the plastic case, I can bite. Um, but yeah, we're very interested to be able to roll this out. And then the financial products that like Reggie is alluding to is that. At first, it'll be a one-to-one -one relationship, right? You vault the card, you get a token. But then we want to be able to offer fractionalized ownership in the card. Mm -hmm. So either we issue you multiple tokens or on the blockchain, it's just fractional ownership of this of this one NFT that mm -hmm. proves um, ownership of the card in the vault. The other things that we also want to do is to allow people to mortgage their cards, right? So take that token, go to somebody like BlockFi uh, and um, just say, look, I want to borrow some of my crypto and it's backed by this token. And this token is not backed by belief or any of the other crypto economics behind it is backed by a physical product that resides in the vault at greywoodgames.com <laughs> no. wait there's a different name for the product it's a different right? name for the product it's okay. called Serenity Serenity yeah and uh, yeah it's, it's inspired by Seinfeld you know Serenity now you know the, he's, he's this guy is trying to like manage his blood pressure and his stress and his anger management so he's like Serenity now because he's been listening to all these tapes he's like oh Serenity now <laughs> So all, all those things, fractionalized ownership, uh, leveraging or mortgaging. And um, then we hopefully we want to try and commoditize uh, Magic the Gathering cards. So instead of thinking of them as unique items, which is the starting point for this project, um, we think of them as generic items. I get it. So you can, mm -hmm. you can take a position on this card because you think, uh, hey, we are this card's going to be good in the future. Mm. And that helps cut out the advantage that these distributors and these people have, right? Because you can say, look, I can trade at the speed and the volume at which these guys can do it. Uh, maybe not without, without, with, not with the inside information that they have, but that's something that I, I can't solve now. Mm. If we get to the point where we can commoditize magic cards or collectibles in general, right? So this doesn't just apply to magic, but if we can get the point, the, get it commoditized to the point where people want to uh, regulate it, that's a win for me, mm. right? Because we built something that's that's pretty cool, right? It's mm. to it's to say, look, there is this, there are these gray market industries that um, could be regulated and should be regulated because people do dodgy things with them, right? Mm. And I think it's yeah, it's it, it could be cool. And the, the the transfer to other collectibles is easy, right? Mm -hmm. You just get you can get in another Pokemon expert, you yeah. get in another guy, you, you scale got a back end system, you can integrate, you scale up. Yeah, but the idea starts with magic because that's what we know. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, I'm I, you, both of you will be invited to mint some cards with us, and you can do whatever you want, like, just to test the system, right? Yeah, you can grab a random like basic land or forest from my from my pile and be like, hey Ben, hey, mint this, yeah, mint this. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure, But to enable that, we also have to build on a yeah. There's there's like a lot of All developmental like stuff, concerns. Yeah. When and stuff is this like coming that. up? I'm looking at uh, UI UX soon. And our hope is to roll out Q1 2023. 
Okay. Yeah, okay. and we have a, a membership program in the store that's like a frequent flyer program. So that they'll be our first round of like um, trial users, mm-hmm. And so that way, um, we also reward them for their loyalty, but also get a kind of very focused feedback as to like, hey. Uh, I thought it was great, but your UI is poop, right? I tried to use it on my phone. <laughs> I tried to use it on my phone and the Lagging, button didn't work, you know? Loading. Yeah, yes, yes. yeah. Do you think you could, you know, do this, do that? And so that'll be a large part of it. Um, and then we also populate it with a bunch of our own personal as well as uh, business inventory, right? Uh-huh. So we earmark some inventory to come up, go from creogames.com and our own personal, um, because I think if you build something, you have to believe it, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and you put up essentially. You, you put up. You build the base. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like once again, market making. Right. There's enough things moving around in the space, so yeah, it, it builds the community. Yeah. Builds the platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Cool. And any last questions from you? What I want to ask is regarding the factional ownership. Yeah. yeah so yeah. those cards, what happens? So uh, since you have uh, like factional ownership, so you'll keep the card and it will not be so until somebody have all the ownership or you will oh, just stay. Yeah. So I will take a scissors. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. But um, so yeah, I think you can. We can, we will program a couple of different modes for it. Mm. But the idea would be that uh, full, re- full, full return of all the tokens is required for withdrawal. Mm. Yeah. So um, okay. that somebody I pitched this idea to one of the customers I've been talking to said, "Hey, this is a great movie." Imagine you own, wow, you know, like a, a couple of million dollar Black Lotus in the vault. Then you're going to hunt down the other, like 19 <laughs> people. The other, it's like a, wow. Yeah. Like a, Transfer. <laughs> Transfer ownership. Yeah. You take my phone. You yeah. Do yeah, yeah. So um, I think that is the goal. Mm. Um, you made a movie? No, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can produce. If, we can produce. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah. find someone who can play me, make yeah. sure he looks nice. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think uh, if there is a another way to do it, I think there there could be ways to do it. Like you like you force you force sell force the guy to sell that mm. that kind of stuff. But I think organically and for like a very like primeval stage for us, very like early stage we will just keep it simple by mm. having uh, full conversion of all the tokens before you can withdraw from the vault. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking this because recently, I think Logan Paul got the Pokemon Illustrator yeah, yeah, Mosia yeah. for, I think, 5.4 million. Yes, yes. So yes. he's doing this uh, concept also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like people have ownership of the cards. Of course, he said he won't sell. Mm. It's, <laughs> it's been done before. The notion yeah. and of... And then yeah. one day, the, when you enter the vault, like, eh? What's the card? <laughs> no, he's not wearing, he's not showing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay, yeah, that's, that's really it also, is that no one, uh, it's hard to do this if you're not trusted, mm. right? It's like you don't want to put money in a bank that, that you don't trust, right? So Logan Paul is trading on celebrity yeah. and um, we're just trading on our community recognition and the fact that, you know, we, we lead and make the market in Singapore. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think there is, there are a lot of ideas like this. There's a company in America that mm. tried to do this uh, I think they called, were called Mythic Markets and they tried to do fractionalized ownership but they did it in a very uh, friction, a lot, uh, in a manner with, with a lot of friction. They incorporated a company and where the sole asset was the card or box that you had invested in uh, and all of you were made shareholders mm. which, yeah, you know, it's, 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 yeah. it's messy. It's yes. messy. It's very, very, yeah. uh, and it, that only works for very high value items also mm-hmm. because all the mess that surrounds that needs to get paid somehow, right? Mm-hmm. And that can only be paid if the item is worth a significant amount. And um, so I think our, our approach would be better mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. And it's on the blockchain, so it's immutable, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. immutable in, in that sense. And uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, somebody chalk on you or like, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And yeah. um, unlike the kind of crypto... Um, Utopian idea of decentralization. Utopian idea. Decentralization. Yeah. Very loaded, uh, that line. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it's centralized. We'll ask Mark, we'll ask Mark this question. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you think crypto yeah, cryptocurrency yeah. is a yeah, utopia? Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Please, please. I mean, yeah, Mark, yeah. <laughs> Mark, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're waiting for you. Uh. Waiting, waiting for, for you. Answers, yeah. yes. But yeah, I, I think that the fact that it's centralized actually helps the product, mm. right? Because it's like you have this kind of, as we put it again we we are the fulcrum for the retail environment here we also want to be the fulcrum for this peer-to-peer um, marketplace which is to say look you trust us because we have a secure facility and you trust our grading you trust our certification great love it looking forward yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for sure if you have a launch you must you must ask i will and I'll, yeah. I'll be back here to talk about Definitely, it with you yes yeah, please yeah, come yeah, on the show again the yeah, shirt with <laughs> don't need yeah. to keep saying right? yeah. the whole yeah, thing yeah, is being told right it's all there right rolling back augmented reality t-shirt yeah 
great, great. I love it, love it. Um, last question. I just want to just kind of hook out for our audience. Like today, like what is the value of like a Black Lotus nine? Let's say a nine. Yeah, because you have a nine, right? Yeah, so yeah, then yeah, they can yeah, they can yeah, kind yeah. of think of whether they want to rob your shop. Not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> control I, yourself, ah, huh? control yourself. <laughs> he regretted tagging yeah, his shop. Okay, okay, <laughs> not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I think with the truth be told, most of that stuff doesn't stay in the store, lah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, don't come to the store. For may, may, may or may not. <laughs> may or may not. Yeah, yeah. If you want to buy, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, I think it's like. 200,000 US dollars wow. 200 to the, that's would be a conservative estimate lah, I think mm-hmm. yeah if it's a strong nine so it also depends there's there's this whole sub sub culture sub like discussion about like oh if you got it graded at the, this company at this time period their their graders are super strict and oh, okay. and all of that stuff and so yours is actually a better nine than this person who graded it here because it was so what we we're trying to do as well is to uh, approach the notion of having ISO 9001 certification for card grading as, and, and and so we're building like a textbook and a best practices approach wow. that will also be made open to the public so that part of the part of what we're trying to do is, is education like, right to say look this is these are the lines against we, along which we grade and so you won't have complaints about like hey look you don't know but this was a print error in the late 90s right or oh, there were two print runs that's why this was more deep colored than the other one um, so the idea is to both educate as well as to provide very specific and very product-centered knowledge around Magic the Gathering. And when we're ready to expand, pick up somebody or a group of people who uh, have that same kind of skill set, right? Who are not just generic graders because a lot of the grading companies that you mm. mentioned, a lot of them come from a sports cards background. Mm, yes. So they, they don't know a, what a card that has been printed in a certain era looks like. And they will say things like, oh, this card is inked. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's hand cut. It's been altered, right? They, they will send the card back to you and say they can't grade it because of this error. And you're like, no, this error is known through every single card. Most famously, the the Alpha Mock Sapphire, one of the most expensive cards, has a birthmark because the printer that was used to print that had this like little blemish there. So every single Alpha Mock Sapphire has this like, it's like a kiss, like, it's like a two, two white lines in a curve like that. And um, that's the easiest way to tell that it's a fake from a, a real, a real mm. card, like, right? It doesn't have that thing mm. because it's printed in China, right? <laughs> um, versus a card that was printed in 93. Mm-hmm. And all it's all that product-specific information that helps um, tell the cards apart. And there's a reason why, you know, we we do what we do. Love it, love it. So interesting, so interesting. Cool stuff. Yeah, we'll see you around again. Whether we can get them on a show together, we can talk oh, about... Oh, you already know my interesting friends. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah, doing yeah. a whole show with them. Definitely. So yeah, yeah. join us, uh, look at our shows, check out Grey Ogre Games, I'll send him the invoice. So yeah, <laughs> see you all next <laughs> week. You. Take care, coconuts. Bye. Bye. Stay tuned all the way after these quick notes for our personal money question segment. Before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials, and check out thefinancialcoconut.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, so what's your best and worst investment? Huh. Ever. Okay, so worst investment is easy. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. So it's, I think it's my worst and it's also my best investment. Uh, so, but I'll tell you a real best investment after that. Um, the worst one was we, there was a time in 2015 where uh, I saw an opportunity to arbitrage a large, uh, one particular card. And I got a guy who was working for me in the US to buy a lot of it. And then uh, I tried to make it work. But in the time it took for my guy to gather all the cards for me to get them and bring them to Japan, uh, this, something had happened. Something had, They had reprinted the card and then it, its oh, value plummeted. And okay. so uh, it's my worst investment because I lost a lot of money on that. But it's also my best investment because it, it really did tell me about the kind of the 
the logistical challenges in the market mm. and to factor that in into my into my um, decision making process and it also is the inspiration for this new project that we're that we're building right because yes. i want people to be able to do that quickly right without having to like solve all the logistics behind it and then finally out it somewhere um so that's yeah the worst investment um and my friend and i uh, my friend who runs the probably the second or the largest store and chain of stores in japan we laugh about it all the time. Yeah. We're like, hey, remember that time when you bought? Yeah, I'm like, don't talk about it. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, best investment? Um, I have a few best investments and uh, a lot of them still work for me in the store. <laughs> you know, some of them, um, yeah. Some, yeah. Oh, for, Your power five, not the power nine. Yeah, yeah. It's people who uh, I knew since I was I was uh, a teenager. And my, that's my our operation, our kind of tech officer. He was my best friend since I was 15. Um, this guy who used to work for me at another store. These three other people who used to be players or kids that came to the store and they're like, hey, we want to work here. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So those are the, the best investments. And obviously my wife. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she... she she asked for a lot, you know, but she's also the, the greatest investment uh, that I made. Yeah, yeah. But so are all of us, we're all investments, right? Our parents invested in us. Hopefully we give them some return. Yeah, I think now they will all ask for pay rise. Oh, yeah. No, they, they know it. Like, I, I, every chance I get, I talk about them in this manner. Yeah, but also every chance they get, they talk to me about a pay rise. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're like, it's a, it's a thing. hey, Ben, it's, a, it's the time of the year. <laughs> Doing well, huh? <laughs> I think by the way, I mean, having these people is, is very important. They are the yeah. one who make it works. Yeah, know? you're right. You're right. There's plenty of cardboard out there. And <laughs> like I told Reggie and, and, and you before that we started, mm. I'm just a glorified Karanguni. Right? <laughs> just a 5G Karanguni. Yeah. I, I can buy a horn if you want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay. before the second question. Second question is, why is, the, why is one investment that's less than $100 Mm. That's so called like can I say impacted your life? I think a water flosser. So oh. it's a you know that that dental we go to a dentist, yes. they have like a machine that sprays the water in your mouth. Yeah. This is a more focused one that helps you floss la. So it's using a stream of jet stream of water to like push out your stuff. And what that's meant is that my my teeth are better. I I they're they're cleaner because they're not there's no there's less human error when it comes to the flossing. Yes. Uh, I do it much quicker. Uh, and uh, it's not as easy to forget, right? Because you you just do it one and done. You're you're gone. You're done for the day. Whereas like flossing, you're like ah, yeah, the one lah, you know. Um, and it's uh, largely hands free. You just one hand, so I can like you know text while I'm doing it, or I can watch TV or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so. I can vouch for that because I also have one. Yeah. <laughs> right, you change your life. So if you've been forcing your teeth in a traditional way, this is the next best. And way. even in a dental emergency, if you something cracked or whatever, but you can't get to the doctor the next day or mm. the dentist until the next day or two days, you can use it to clean up the the cavity, right? You can mm. you can use it to like you know kind of like tong, you know, just yeah. tong until you can get to a, a professional <laughs> la. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we will move on to the last question. I think where I would say where you consume your content now from where do you learn from? Um, I think there's a lot of traditional stuff that I try to learn from, like, right? So mm. I, I I I studied philosophy in university, oh, so I wow. have no clue about how to run a business or how to like do all this economic stuff. So I watch a lot of like YouTube and people who like talk about so. Like there's a lot of YouTube channels that I watch and mm. I consume, I try to absorb everything. Like I learn about like hedge funds, venture capital, all this, all these terms that all seem very far away to me. Um, but the one thing that I learn a lot from and that uh, is quite unexpected is I watch a lot of documentaries on drug cartels and and like failed drug operations because mm. I don't, it's easy if you're trying to build a, it's not easy, but it's easy to find information if you're trying to build a hedge fund or a, you know venture capital firm. But it's very hard to build a magic store <laughs> because you can't <laughs> yes. go and watch a video about like, oh, this is how I succeeded and I built this. So then you have to go and look for other grey market entities, right? But yes. you, there's not a lot of people who do like, oh, this is how I built a, a million dollar you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! or wine you know, business. And then you realize, okay, 
but there's a lot of coverage for the most illicit things in the world, <laughs> which are like drugs. Right. So then like, okay, let me learn from them. So I take away mm. really good, good business principles. The principle that, for example, the product is the most expensive, the furthest away from the point of origin. Right. That's one of the things I took away from, from watching a, a wow. drug documentary. But it's not to say that I aspire to be like that. Right. It's just that I, I try and distill the, the learning principles from the, from the thing that I'm watching. Um, and I just erase all the like, oh, you know, we go into this turf war. With a, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I look at the, the business principles behind it, right? And uh, to me, that's the weirdest thing that I watch that is actually super educational. Yeah, think about it. Actually, the business model is somehow similar is, compared to H5 because it's very hard to relate, especially it's like trading cards. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. so hopefully that's what our new project will solve is that you can actually someday trade the cards like every other thing you can trade, like, right? There will be an exchange for it, and there will be a, and you don't have to physically meet somebody and like, hey, here's the card, give me five bucks, right? Like, <laughs> you can put an order for like twenty five of them, right? And then, and you, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's why I learned. That's why I learned a lot from is just to observe these people, um, and yeah, that's <laughs> super weird. Yeah, MAS, if you want to come, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not illegal. T, uh, MTG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> consuming documentaries is not illegal ah right. yes learning from I think that's a good something that I think rarely talk about but very interesting yeah, yeah. from this kind of point of view I, I think people watch it a lot of times to consume that illicit like, like oh so dangerous oh so risky <laughs> right they get this this kick from it but for me it's like oh that's interesting that's a really good way to do business like oh okay 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 mm. yeah I can't yeah I can't relate to all of it you know because mm. there's some very bad stuff <laughs> but I can relate to the to the more economic stuff to it like, oh yeah 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 okay okay yeah. repackaging you know branding repackaging, branding yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. thank cool, you very cool. much thank you so much thanks yeah.